I love my church. I've loved doing this series with you. I like talking about the church. And I'm so grateful for what God is doing in the church. He's moving. He's working in our hearts and lives. I want to encourage you today uh, to open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts. I mentioned the book of Acts earlier. I want to go to the book of Acts. And we're going to go to the second chapter, Acts chapter 2. And I have several verses today, but this will be the... This will be the launch point for all of them, and so you might want to put a bookmark or something there if you're going to turn to some other passages. We'll continue to come back to Acts chapter 2. I want to tell you today that I love my church by growing. I want to talk about growing a little bit today. You know, we often use the expression, let's go to church. I went to church today. Are you coming to church But how many of you know that the church is really not a building? The church is people. It's you and me. And so when Jesus said, I will build my church, we know he wasn't talking about brick and mortar. He was talking about the people of God. He was saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, it wouldn't take the gates of hell. It would just take a match. To overcome this building. But not even the gates of hell can overcome the people of God. The church that Jesus is building. And so if we're going to have a healthy church. How many of you know we need to have healthy members? If we're going to have a healthy church. We need to have a healthy pastor. So if the church is going to grow. It's going to grow because we grow personally. Now, the church can grow in many ways. We could just talk about numerical growth, but that's kind of easy to track. You know, you can see if the church is growing numerically or not, but there's also uh, there's also growth in strength. And here's what I've learned in my own family. If I'll focus on keeping my kids strong and healthy, they'll naturally grow. Like, I don't have to worry about if they're going to add three inches to their stature in the next year. I, I, I don't worry about if they're going to get any taller. I just focus on them being healthy and the growth is a natural byproduct. And, and I, just, I just am convinced that healthy churches are growing churches. Unhealthy churches are not growing churches. And so... I have a priority in my life and you have a priority in your life. If you love the church to be healthy, to, to, to guard your own heart, to govern your relationship with the Lord and to make sure that you're in a place where you're healthy and where you're growing in your relationship with God. And so because I love the church this morning, I'm committed to growing. I don't want to be at the same place in my relationship with God next year that I was five years ago. I don't want to be at the same place next year that I am this year. I don't want to say, well, you know what? I've been in full-time ministry for uh, for a number of years now. I probably got enough sermons backlogged on my computer. I'll just kind of start over with the stuff that I preached back in 1999. And, and I'll just, you know, coast for a while. No, I, I, I want to grow. I want to know 
Jesus more than I've ever known him before. I want to dig in and I want to challenge you today to be committed to growing the church. And a lot of people, they don't, don't really want to grow because there's such a thing as growing pains. You ever experienced those? And, and not just personally and physically, but even in the church world, we can experience growing pains. Can I testify to you about one of the good growing pains that we're experiencing right now in the church? I probably should have told you this before I received the offering. Maybe you would have given more, but that's okay. I'll just tell you the story anyway. We have begun this week to make plans to start a second nursery. Now, all the moms and dads with little ones can say amen because you know that our nursery's too full. We don't have enough room for all the babies. And, and I see a couple babies in here now and they're, they're the little ones and pretty soon they're going to be big enough to go to the nursery. And if you take your child back there, we don't have room. And so we've got a room on the other side of the uh, cafe that we had some other plans for. We were going to do something different with it. But necessity dictates that we have to have another nursery. And so we had a carpet installer come in this week and give us some quotes on carpet. And we're going to flip that room in just a couple weeks time. I mean, like a couple weeks time. We're going to flip that room and we're going to make this nursery over here an infant nursery. And then that nursery over there is going to be a one and two year old nursery. So if you have the capability of teeter tottering or throwing a block, you're probably going to be in that nursery. You know, and we'll keep the newborns safe and sound over here, right? And so it's good. It's a good problem to have. We're looking forward to getting that other nursery started as quick as we can get the carpet laid. And so it's a growing pain. And it is a little bit of a pain because now we have to double our volunteer base for nursery workers. Whereas we're always trying to get two volunteers to serve in the nursery. Now we need four. And so it's just kind of part of the process. But... It's a growing pain. And how many of you know that's a good problem to have? We want to see the church grow. And we want to meet the needs in the church. And so we're committed to loving our church and to growing. For some of you, that growth is going to mean volunteering for a ministry. Signing up to help out. To say, you know what, I'll take one Sunday out of the month. And I'll, I'll serve the one and two year olds, you know. I'll take one Sunday out of the month. And, and I'll, I'll hold little babies in the infant nursery. I, I could do that. Maybe you've never done that, but you'd be willing to serve... We'd be willing to have you, let me tell you. But it's a commitment to grow and to say, you know what, I want to be a part of what God is doing. You know, there's a lot of people that they, they wouldn't say it out loud. They would never express it verbally, maybe. But in their heart, they don't really want the church to grow numerically. Because they like a small church. And the fact is, maybe you even came to this church because you were looking for a small church. And that's okay. If that's why you're here, guess what? You found one. That's great. But here's the danger. You have to understand it and always remember this, that the church that Jesus is building is not built on preferences. It's built on purpose. He has a purpose for the church. And what happens, I, can I just throw out a statistic that has no factual evidence behind it? 99% of the churches out there I didn't research this. By and large, I would say this in all honesty. Most of the churches that have either plateaued or are declining numerically are doing so because they're driven by preferences and not purpose. But we want to sing those songs. But we want to meet at this service time. But we, 
you know, and whatever that preference is, we, it's easy for us to begin to believe that the church is about us. And we become driven by preferences instead of purpose. I'm going to tell you, one of the purposes of the church is to evangelize lost people. That's why I've said it oftentimes, we will never apologize for being evangelistic. It's one of the purposes of the church. And it's not something that we came up with in a leadership meeting. We don't have to come up with a purpose for the church. It's not our church. It's his church. He already created a purpose for it. And one of the purposes of the church is to reach the lost, to evangelize lost people. Another purpose for the church is to disciple the believers, to build one another up. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. I want you to be stronger in your faith. One of the purposes for the church is to worship God. Did you know that if you get nothing today out of this, but you showed up and you worship God, you fulfilled a part of your purpose? I know that's hard for people to wrap their mind around in our day and age when everything is kind of me-centered, but church is really about the glorification of God. And so that's one of the reasons that we gather together. It's to build believers and to worship God and to evangelize the lost. And another purpose for the church is to show compassion. To meet people's needs. To show compassion. This week I had a gentleman that that came uh, to the church. He had a financial need. And he came asking for help. And and this is actually what made me think of that story I told you earlier out of Acts chapter 3. When Peter and John said to the The crippled man, silver and gold, have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up. I'm so grateful that Jesus has resourced us, not only financially, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as I heard this man's need, he needed some uh, financial resources and, and we were able to help him. But praise God, it didn't stop there. He had a crisis in his life and we were able to talk about it. And we sat down in my office and after about a 20 minute conversation, he began to pray the sinner's prayer and give his life to Jesus Christ. He got saved. Amen. But we would have never had that conversation about his eternal soul had I not been willing to express compassion towards his practical need. So I was able to say, silver and gold I do have, but let me tell you the good stuff. So we show compassion. God has created a purpose for the church. It's his church. And we can't be driven by our preferences. We have to be driven by his purpose. If we'll be faithful to do the work, I believe God will be faithful to build the house. In fact, if we'll build his kingdom... He'll build our church. He's faithful. And so I want to just challenge you today out of Acts to see some signs of spiritual growth. There ought to be some evidences. This is the indicators on the dashboard of your spiritual journey. Some things that communicate to you and to me that, you know what? These are either things that are running well, that I'm doing well, or these are things that maybe the Holy Spirit wants to open your eyes to. You know, like that little indicator light, that's check engine, you know. That all of a sudden you go, oh, this is an area of my life that I haven't really been attentive to, but by the grace of God, I'm, I'm going to leave today with a decision to grow spiritually. I don't have time to to give us all the history, but if you have any understanding of Scripture uh, in the New Testament, you probably are aware of the fact that the book of Acts chronicles the expansion of the first century church. That, I mean, and all through the book, we see consistently uh, 
increase. We see numbers. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were saved. A few days later, 5,000. Multitudes after multitudes coming to know the Lord. And then persecution broke out. And they went and they took the gospel because of the persecution. Everywhere they fled to, they preached to. And the church just began to expand. But there's some things that they did to grow as a church that we see outlined in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. And I want to talk about some of those things today. I just want to give you about eight things that I see in this short passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. Here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So let me just give you some of the signs of growth that were evident in this church. And that ought to be evident in our church and in our own lives. Because after all we are the church. Number one is found in verse 42. They devoted themselves. Can I just say this? You've probably figured this out already. If you're going to grow something, you have to plant it. It's the same for you and me. If we're going to grow, we have to be planted. We have to be rooted. We have to be a part of something. You know, this morning, as I mentioned earlier, we're doing a membership class. And and a part of being a member of a church is, is really just saying, this is where I'm planted. It's really just making a, a, a covenant. Public, I mean, you can come to this church for as long as you want. You don't have to be a member. It's not like we have, like, box seats for the members or something like that, you know. Not special parking. Anybody can come to this church. And truthfully, you can be a part of the body of Christ at this church. You don't have to be a member uh, of the church to come here. But by saying, I want to be a member, it's a public way of saying, I want to be planted here. This is where I'm going to grow. I'm not going to come to this church this week, and then I'm going to go uh, and go to another church next week. And then, I don't know, we might, we might go and check out that church down the street the following week. Nothing's wrong with all those churches. They're great churches. But if you're going to grow, you need to be planted. And could you imagine just uprooting your vegetables every week and trying to stick them somewhere else? It doesn't work that way. So God wants us to be planted. It says they were devoted. They were devoted. Jesus said this. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you that you would go and produce fruit. Fruit that would last. That was Jesus' plan. He chose us to produce something. To produce fruit. Fruit. You know, our culture, I don't have to tell you this, you know this, but our culture kind of leans more towards fickleness than faithfulness. You know, we kind of have this consumer mindset, which in some ways can be great, but when that crosses over into our spiritual relationship, it's detrimental. That we have this consumer mindset that, you know, give me what I need, feed my desires, give me what I want. If I don't like it, I'm just going to go somewhere else. 
We treat the body of Christ like a smorgasbord. I'll have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh, he's starting a series on holiness. I don't want any of that. Just go somewhere else, do something different. But God has called us to be faithful, not to chase after the next big thing. Because God is chasing after those who are faithful. He said his, his goodness and his mercy would follow me all the days of my life. I don't have to go chasing after the next big thing when the favor of God is chasing after those who diligently seek him. Isn't that good to know that, that God's blessing is coming after you? There's some people I know that, man, every weekend they're like at another revival. They want to go hear this speaker at this conference and go there. Sometimes conferences are great. I mean, it's good to have those moments in your life. But how many of you know that as, as beautiful as spring is, and, and it is beautiful this week, I'm, I'm enjoying the weather, it's in the winter that the root system grows. The strength that we need happens in the dormant times. And so, as much as I love the leaves on the tree, and I love those moments in my relationship with God where, man, it's, it's revival and it's a, a guest speaker from another nation and, and there's a guest worship team. That's great. I, I can't live my life that way. I need to come down to earth every once in a while and just live with Jesus. Just have a normal, healthy relationship. And it requires seasons. And so when people disappear every time the seasons change because they don't... Well, it's just not as exciting. You know, that, that I love my church thing was great, but you know, now it's July and, and uh, I don't really like what they're talking about, so I'm just going to go somewhere else. We miss out. We miss out on the growth that God wants, the strength that he wants to add to our lives. So they were devoted, the word says. They were devoted. Here's what Ephesians chapter 3 says. In fact, I, I want you to turn to this with me because this is a powerful verse. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 17 through 19. I'll give you a second. If you need to use one of the, the Bibles there, if you don't have your own, you can borrow one of those. We'll put this up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 3. We'll start in verse 17, reading through 19. This is God's plan for you as a Christian. He says this. Ephesians 3, 17. I'll start in the second half. We have that verse yet? 3, 17. The second half of it says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is Paul the Apostle writing to Christians and he's saying, here's my heart's desire for you. So if I can just say that from first person today, here's my heart's desire for you. That you may, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Go back to verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people. Now in Earlier weeks in this series, we talked about that word love. In this verse, it's the word agape. Agape is decision love. It's not emotional love. It's not feeling love. It's not uh, a brotherly love. It's covenant-keeping love. Agape love is a decision to make a deep personal sacrifice for somebody else. That's what agape means. 
So here's, here's the question. I want you to just kind of look at these verses. We're going to go in reverse order. We're going to start with 19 and we're going to work our way back to 17 and answer a couple of questions out of the text. Question number one is this. How are you filled with the fullness of God? Because that sounds like it would be great, right? To be filled with the fullness of God. That doesn't mean that you can have all of God in you. That would be impossible. But to be filled with the fullness of God is like taking a sponge and dropping it in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. That sponge could never soak up all of the ocean, but that sponge is full with the ocean. That's what it means to be filled with the fullness of God. That your life is absolutely full. How do we get there? Well, look at it. It, You grasp. And you know the love of Christ. That's what Paul said. I want you to grasp and I want you to know the love of Christ there in verse 18. You can know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you can be filled. Okay, well, how do we grasp the knowledge of Christ? How do we grasp the love of Christ? You have to have power. Look at it there in verse 18. That you may have power. Together with all the Lord's people. If I'm going to grasp the love of God, if I'm going to know the love of God, I have to have power together with all the people. Okay, so how do I have that community power? How do I have power with all the people so that I can love and know the the love of God? So that I can be filled to the fullness of God. How do I get that? It's in verse 17. Here's how you gain the power. By being rooted and established. In a covenant community of believers. You're you're rooted and established in a community. You're planted. And so together we experience the life of God. Together we experience the power of God. And that power of God gives us the ability to know and to grasp the love of God. So that we can be filled with the fullness of God. That's God's plan. That you be rooted and established. Can I just tell you that deeper roots equal deeper revelation? Deeper roots equal deeper revelation. See, if you spend all your time just chasing an experience with God, then you're going to be like the children of Israel who, who went through the wilderness and they only trusted God when they could see what God was doing. Pillar of fire, God's moving. Pillar of cloud, God's moving. No rain, a little bit of drought. God, why did we come here? Send us back to Egypt. They didn't know how to follow God when they couldn't see Him. But if you'll be deep-rooted, if you'll be planted, if you'll go through the seasons with a local church family, deeper roots mean deeper revelation. All of a sudden, when when life surprises you, when things go sideways, you're not going to be rocked in your faith and go, Oh man, God's forsaken me. No, you won't because you know somebody in your church family that's weathered a storm. And you watched them and you watched God meet their need and you watched God uh, faithfully provide for them. And, and your faith has been built on their experience and vice versa. And God begins to give us strength and fortitude. That's what God wants for us. He wants greater works, but greater works require deeper roots. So the first sign of spiritual growth is this. They devoted themselves. I just want to encourage you to, to be devoted. To just be committed and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to devote myself. I'm going to be planted. And I'm going to see what God will do in and through my life. Let me give you the second sign of spiritual growth. It's, it's there in verse 42 again, Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The second thing that 
uh, is a sign of spiritual growth is learning. Learning. If you're not learning, you're not growing. There, there's, there's people that have said this for 30 years. I'm just not good at memorizing scripture. Now, I don't point to anybody and don't nudge them. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just telling you. I've been in the church my whole life. And I've known a lot of people that have said, I'm just not very good at memorizing scripture. And then I want to ask them, well, how many have you memorized? I mean, not good. Does that mean I can't remember 20 of them? Does that mean I can't remember 10? Does that mean I can't say one scripture in all of the Bible? It's amazing how, you know, you can start a new job and not know anything about the job. But because they're paying you to do that job, you open up the book. You apply yourself. You have a mentor. And after a few weeks, you know what you're doing. They don't have to hold your hand anymore. In fact, after a few months or years, you might even be training somebody else. It's amazing that at one time in your life, you'd say, you know, I don't know how to do that. But because you applied yourself, you learn. It's the same in our relationship with God. If you're not learning, you're not growing. And yes, some of us may be able to memorize scripture and better than others. And you may be more apt to teach than others. But are you growing in your relationship with God? I want you to look quickly with me at Psalm chapter 1. Because I want you to see how important it is that you and I grow in our relationship with God. Psalm chapter 1. In these few verses here, in six verses, we see a picture of how significant the Word of God is in the life of the believer. And some of you need to hear this challenge today towards spiritual growth. To be devoted to learning, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Here's what it says, verse 1, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. He's talking about a person who's blessed. Whatever they do, prospers. They don't walk in step with the wicked. They don't stand in the way of sinners. They don't sit in the company of mockers. Do you see the progression there? It starts, that's how sin works. First, we just, we just walk in the way of the wicked and then we stop walking and we stay a while and then we stand in the way of sinners and we get pretty comfortable standing in the way of sinners and so we just pull up a seat at the table and eventually we are sitting in the company of mockers that person's not blessed in fact he goes on to say in verse 4 not so the wicked they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. But let's get back to the blessed person. Verse 6 says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. God is watching over the way of the righteous. He calls you blessed. When you... When you follow the word of the Lord, it says in verse 2 again, this blessed person delights in the law 
of the Lord. Can I tell you what God's word does? Three things quickly. Number one, God's word guides you. Blessed is the one that walks in the ways of the Lord. His word guides you. Psalm says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. God wants to guide you with his word. The second thing his word does for us is it guards you. Not only does God's word give you direction, but it also gives you defense. His word guides you and his word guards you. Verse 3 says that person. Or verse 6 rather says that person God watches over. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. He's watching over you. The third thing is not only does his word guide you and, and guard you, but his word grounds you. You're planted. It grounds you. Verse 3 says that person is like a tree that's planted by the living waters, by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. God wants to, to bless your life. He wants you to be grounded and planted. I think I told you at the beginning I have eight of these. But I'm just going to give you two of them. So you can all relax. <laughs> God wants you to be planted. He wants you to be devoted. But He wants you to be devoted to the Word of God, to the Apostles' teaching. I want to tell you a story, and then I'll pray for you today. I read this story years ago, and it just, uh, it just stuck with me. Before I read it, let me give you one more verse. We're going we're gonna to end with this verse. It's in Jeremiah chapter, chapter 17. It, it, it parallels what we just read in Psalm 1. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. It says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Again, talking about a person who's planted, a person who trusts in the Lord. It does not fear when heat comes, when the seasons change. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. You don't have to answer this question, but just think about it. Does, does that reflect your life? Is your life always fruitful? He said he doesn't have to fear when the heat comes. There's a lot of people I know that, boy, when the pressure's on, you know, the Bible talks about the trials of our faith being like fire. When the heat comes, there's plenty of people that just, boy, they just hightail it. They, they lose faith. They lose confidence in God. They disappear from church. They just throw their hands in the air and go, what's it all for? What's it all for? And they're not willing to trust the Lord, but the person who trusts in the Lord, who's devoted, who's planted in God's house and is committed to his word, it says that person has confidence. They're like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Signs of health, signs of growth. So I read this story years ago about an emperor who was getting ready to end his reign. And uh, he was going to be turning over the throne at the end of his, his dynasty. And instead of just giving the throne to his own child, which would be the custom, he decided he was going to do something different. He said, I want you to bring all the children 
from our village and I want you to bring him to the courtyard. And so all the kids, they come there and they stand before the emperor and the emperor says, we're going to do something. I'm going to give every one of you a seed. I'm going to give you a seed and you're going to take care of that seed. You're going to plant that seed. You're going to water that seed. You're going to cultivate it. You're going to care for it. And in one year, I want you to bring back to me what you've grown. And out of all of you children, I'm going to select the next emperor for our kingdom. You know, kids are shocked. They go, this is amazing. This is awesome. And so everybody's got their hand out. And the emperor, emperor one by one, begins to give all the kids a seed and send them on their way. And so the kids, they, they go home with their seed and, and they get some dirt and they get some kind of a vessel and, and they plant the seed and, and they water the seed and they put it in the sunlight. And so... All the kids are excited and they're talking about it. And then one day, one of the kids starts talking about the little sprout that's come up out of the dirt. And then one of the other kids says, hey, mine sprouted this weekend too. And so they're all excited. And then the next week, kids are saying, I'm starting to get some some leaves. And and then it's next, I'm starting to see some little flowers on, on on my seed. And all the while this is going on, there's one little boy named Ling who just quiet because back at his house there's a pot with some dirt and that's it and he's looking at it, he's going i i got i got nothing he doesn't say anything because he's embarrassed but every day he comes and he hears other students bragging about what's growing in their pot and some of them are talking about how it's time to transplant uh their their tree or their flower or their bush to a a larger vessel and this goes throughout the year and and you know ling has just he's ready to quit he tells his mom in fact this is this is a waste of time i've failed i'm embarrassed and and i'm just going to quit and his mom says listen just 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 do your best just do your best with with what he gave you and ling knows his mom's right so he says oh okay okay so every day even though he sees nothing Takes care of that seed in that pot of dirt. Finally, the end of the year comes and it's the day that all the students are called to come back to see the emperor. So all the kids file in and some of them are carrying big planters and, and they're walking this way and, and others are, are got wheelbarrows and they're pushing stuff and there's tropical bushes and there's flowers and all this beautiful stuff and, and Ling's just kind of waiting in the background, you know, until everybody gets in. The last minute he sneaks into the courtyard got this little pot with dirt in it and that's it and so you know how we do in class when you don't want to be called on he's kind of standing in the back crouching down he doesn't want anybody to see him or notice him and the emperor's looking all around and he sees him in the very back of the room and he calls him out and he says come forward so ling makes his way all the way to the front right down to where the emperor is and then the emperor makes an announcement. He says, son, what is your name? He says, my name is Ling. And the emperor begins to speak to everybody. And he says, one year ago, I gave every one of you a seed. I told you to plant that seed. I told you to water it. I told you to take care of what I gave you and to bring back to me today what it was. And I said, I was going to choose one of you to be the next emperor. Today, I'm announcing the next emperor of my kingdom is Ling. And Ling was shocked. More so than anybody else. I don't understand. 
How did this happen? Why would, why would he pick me? I couldn't grow anything. And then the king explained. The emperor said this. He said, last year I gave you all a seed. But what, what I didn't tell you is that I boiled the seeds so they wouldn't grow. And I gave you a seed to take care of. And every one of you, when you saw that what I gave you wasn't producing fruit, you swapped your seed. You traded it out for something else. But only Ling was faithful to cultivate the seed that I gave him and to take care of it for an entire year. And he's proven himself worthy to be the next emperor in my kingdom. I tell you that story because as the people of God, we can't live by preference and we can't live by feeling and emotion. Guaranteed, there are going to be days where you don't see anything coming up out of the dirt. There's going to be times in your relationship with God where you feel unaffected. But here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, do not grow weary in well-doing for in season, in time, you will produce a harvest. Stay faithful. Stay faithful, stay planted, stay rooted in truth and do what God has called you to do. Be the person that God has called you to be. Say, well, I don't feel anything today. Worship God anyway. Well, I tried reading my Bible, but it doesn't make sense. Read your Bible anyway. Well, you know, I I tried to have family devotion with my kids, but it was awkward and they asked me a question and I didn't know the answer and then I felt stupid. That's okay. Grow together anyway. Signs of Spiritual growth, strength, revelation. It happens with deep roots. So I want to pray for you today at the conclusion of this service. And I just want to ask you if you would bow your head with me all over this room and allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to your heart for a moment. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts right now. God, we... We've been saved. Not just to be sons and daughters, but to be brothers and sisters. God, you've called us to a family. Called us to accountability in a family. You said we're the body of Christ. And and every member of the body is important. So God, I recognize that I, I could handicap this local body of believers if I stop growing if I atrophy like a muscle that's not been in use God if I if I stop growing personally it affects the church the kingdom of God is not advancing the way it should God I pray that for each and every one of us we would we would hear the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit yours is not a voice of condemnation But it is a voice of conviction. And sometimes we feel the finger of God pointing at us. And pointing out the things in our life that need to change. And I just want to encourage you church. If you feel that today. Don't hide from it. Don't duck down. Let him call you out. Let him call your name. Let him speak to you. Because he wants you to grow. And if there's an area of your life that. That you haven't been growing. Maybe you've been negligent. Maybe you've been negligent in in being planted in a church. Maybe today's the first day you've been in church in a long time. Maybe you've been negligent in, in reading the Bible. 
You've never applied yourself maybe to a disciplined prayer life. Maybe you haven't been intentional about Christian community and you just, you don't really do anything to pursue relationships with the people of God outside of sitting with them for an hour and a half on Sunday. God's called us to a family. God's called us to be planted and to be fully devoted, committed to His Word.